everyone. It's Janine Stanley here for IraCast. This time around for our April 2020 Explorer call, we're going to give you the panelists part of the call first, because in another episode of IraCast, we're going to do a special IraCast that gets your stories from COVID-19. So you'll be hearing our callers from the April Explorer call plus who knows what else on that special edition of IraCast coming up soon. For now, though, here is the panelist portion of the April 2020 Explorer call. And now we will begin our April Explorer call from Ira. I'm Janine Stanley. I am the Explorer Community and Communications Manager. And tonight I have a host of folks, my lovely and talented co-pilot, Ryan Bishop. Hi, Ryan. Hello, everyone. And we have with us tonight a, a group of people that are just integral to Ira. We will be joined here very soon by Troy Attilio, our CEO. We have Joshua Fluellen. And we also have Paul Schrader. Hello, Paul. Hey, Janine and company. And Paul is definitely not a stranger to uh, Ira Explorer Calls. And we have another person who is definitely not a stranger to any facet of Ira, Aaron Sanborn. Hello, Aaron. Hello. And so tonight, before we get started, uh, and all, we've got some news for you, we've got all kinds of things tonight, but we wanted to take just a, a little bit of time tonight to have a moment of silence. We have lost folks in the Explorer community to COVID-19, sadly, and I'm sure that explorers and agents and staff out there may have lost friends or family members. So we're just going to take a short little moment here. And remember everyone that is no longer with us due to this virus. And now I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> that always gets me when I have to do that. Uh, so we're going to start with our IRA news this evening with Aaron Sanborn. Now, we have a lot of people who are new to IRA. You may be listening on the call. You may be listening on the podcast. Aaron is our Director of Customer Experience, but she has been with IRA since the beginning. She was our very first IRA agent. She's worked in a number of departments within the company, uh, everything from agenting through product and uh, marketing and all, you name it, and Aaron has probably done it within Ira. I'd like to welcome you, Aaron, tonight to tell us a little bit of the news from Agent Land and, and uh, just sort of refresh us on some of the policies and procedures of Ira. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Janine. I have done it all here at Ira, and I've enjoyed every moment on Team Ira and getting to know the community over the last few years. So, um, some of you may know me and some of you may not know me. I usually join the Explorer call um, about twice a year to give a refresher of the terms of service that you agree to, the privacy policy and some agent expectations for you. Um, and so I'll just kind of dive right on in. If you're like me and you get a new app that you're super excited about, you may automatically check that box that says, yes, I have read all the terms and services 
um, when I actually haven't read them. Um, and so Ira's terms of service is actually critical to how you can and cannot utilize this as a user. So I just wanted to go over and summarize some key points for you guys. As you know, Ira is not a device and does not replace your mobility aid. Um, Ira does record audio and video sessions for training and quality persons. And we generally do not release these recordings or any portion of them to you or to, to third parties um, unless we're required to do so by law. Um, and really, Ira is an incredibly versatile service with a number of applications. But of course, there are boundaries and um, certain things that we're unable to assist with. So in the terms of service, there are general prohibitions that you have agreed to. Um, you agree that you will not use IRA in any manner that is an advertisement or an endorsement of a product or service, is knowingly false or intended to mislead, confuse, or deceive others, um, promotes any illegal or harmful activities or substances, is harassing, threatening, or insulting to others, um, including agents as well as other IRA users. Um, anything that violates the other private, the privacy of others. Um, and lastly, um, anything that's pornographic, obscene, vulgar, or off offensive. So IRA has the right to terminate your service for any reason, including the ones that I just talked about above. Um, the team works really hard to provide you, our explorers, with a superior service. And the success of our model is based on, you know, mutual respect, uh, equality, and the fundamental belief that there's real value in that human-to-human -human connection between user and agent. So the most common violations to these terms are things that are illegal, um, the harassment of other people, um, agents, explorers, other IRA team members. Um, anything that's pornographic, so any, um, including calling an agent while utilizing the, the restroom, any sexual in nature, or um, again, that repetitive harassment or verbal abuse to agents or IRA team members. Um, but the versatility of IRA allows so many other opportunities. So the box is huge in how you can utilize the service in unique ways without violating the terms that I mentioned above. Um, and you, as our Explorer community, you continue to show us um, those, those unique ways to utilize the service every day. So let's talk about our agents, which I'm super passionate about, and I think you're super passionate about. Um, Absolutely. Some expectations <laughs> for agents is that you will always receive top-notch customer service. So they are problem solvers who want to go above and beyond to assist you in finding solutions. Um, our agent's motto is to act like a set of eyes and not a brain, which allows you to be the expert and decision maker to guide them to all the actions. So you as an explorer really are that expert. One of the neatest things about IRA is that our agents come from all walks of life and they're experts in multiple areas. And I know you can get uh, caught on, you know, really wanting to connect with agents that have that specific skill set. Um, but IRA can't guarantee that an agent with that skill set um, will be available for you to connect with. So that's part of why our training program is so rigorous um, to ensure that you'll be connected with an agent who's capable to assist with whatever tasks that you present them and receive that same customer service as you would any of our agents. So I know when you have a longer task, you may want to continue working with the same agent for a long duration of time. Um, this isn't always possible with scheduling, um, call volume, and really the nature on, on the back end of staff agents. 
Um, and also our agents are human and they may love spending um, hours on connected with you uh, watching movies or reading, um, but they need water and, and bio breaks as well. And so um, if an agent needs to disconnect, whether they're um, due for a break or at the end of their shift, um, they'll uh, of course, inform you of that time, and they're happy to pass along any pertinent task information to the next agent who can grab your call. Um, that happens if you call back immediately, they'll have access to, to that information. If you don't call back or call back within a few days, they will no longer have access to that information. And if you've been with Ira um, a while or new to Ira, you are aware that in August we launched Ira's service for free for those short everyday tasks that are five minutes or less. So this um, is, was a really exciting time for me personally at Ira and something I had dreamed of for a long time as a team member to be able to offer the service um, uh, at zero cost. And so the offer is intended for you to uh, make short calls, complete tasks that take less than five minutes. It's not intended for you to make back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back calls to complete a longer task. So if you choose to do this, we can't guarantee that we'll connect you to the same agent. Um, and if this type of con uh, behavior continues, um, we may have to make changes to the free um, IRA offer in the future. So please only utilize um, the, the five-minute call task uh, for short tasks instead of calling back to back to back to complete longer tasks. So I know I covered a lot of details, but it's a quick summary of the things that you'll find in our terms of service. So defining the details on everything that I've covered today, you can find that on our website at ira.io slash TOS for terms of service. And as always, we take your privacy and the agent's privacy very seriously here at IRA. Um, but you continue to teach us new and unique ways every day on how you choose to utilize the service that fall into um, the boundaries and not a violation of our terms of service. So I really look forward to getting you to connect with our agents, sharing those stories, being passionate alongside you um, and, and hearing how you're going to utilize the service next. Awesome. Thank you so much, Erin. And as Erin said, you can find those terms of service on our website. If you have questions about the terms of service, you can email us support at ira.io, or you can also talk with our customer care team, and we'll give you that number. That is 1-800-835-1934. And now we have our CEO, Mr. Troy Attilio, to talk to us about a couple of very important projects that Ira has been working on lately. Hello, Troy. Hello, everyone. If, um, if you don't remember, uh, I, I joined one of these calls, I think it was two calls ago, but um, I'm Troy. I'm your pragmatic and passionate CEO, and I was the chief operating officer here since the beginning of Ira, so I, I know Ira well. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about um, COVID-19. Uh, some of you participated in a survey, an IRA survey. Some of you may have seen a larger survey. But I just thought it would be important to kind of cover this at a high level. But then I'm going to turn it over to Joshua, Joshua Flewellen, who's done really the, the heavy lift on our IRA survey. And we'll share kind of some of the results and, um, and next steps. So... Um, you know, we, we started this call with a, with a moment of silence and, you know, it's very obvious to say that everybody on the planet is affected by COVID-19 and that's 
kind of an amazing statement. I don't know how many events on the planet's history like fall in that category. So obviously just a massive change uh, for everybody, including me. Um, And uh, it's created a world that I'm sure few of us, although some of us, uh, but not me, it's created a world uh, few of us could possibly imagine and the impacts are still unfolding. And here at IRA, uh, we, we really value your trust. I, I believe that's one of our most critical assets that we, we, we have, that, that we've created. Um, also the great service, but with the great service, it, it's, it's about trust. And so, um, and, we, and we also value data. So we look at data when we make decisions about anything because the data kind of leads us to uh, be more confident about changes. And at IRA, we like to move fast. Um, but not faster than you want us to move. Um, yet, yet we're always looking at how we can improve the service. So, when the COVID nineteen situation started to unfold, and you got to remember, this was almost a month ago, and or, or longer when we started this idea of a survey. Our first thought was, what could Ira do different? What should we be doing different? Like, the world is going to change. What what should Ira be changing? And it's with that that we came up with the idea, well, you know, let's, let's ask the users. And this is something I'd like to do more of, which is engage people who have time to respond on their thoughts about the service, the thoughts about, um, you know, potential future. So, you know, if you're a survey taker, I really appreciate it. Um, we all appreciate it because it just helps us um, shape our product. And you saw that survey go out and, um, I think maybe one, if you took the survey or you tried to take the survey, one uh, observation was that it was long. Um, I think the average uh, survey time was about 45 minutes average to complete, even though we projected it would be 30 minutes, um, it, it was longer. And, and boy, we got some really great um, responses, not just the uh, you know long open-ended responses to questions. And, um, you might go, well, why was it such a long survey? Well, you know, we were trying to move fast. And one of my favorite quotes is from Mark Twain, um, who writes, you know, who wrote one point, I, I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. Um, and I think that goes to survey writing. Like, we didn't have time to spend two weeks, you know, two, you know, narrowing the survey. And we did take a risk in launching it because I thought, oh, boy, this thing's so long. No one, you know, no one's going to finish it. Joshua We'll share the results. Um, some are possibly obvious, while others are illuminating. Um, some of the results that you know, some immediate action we took was to implement our distance learning offer. Um, as we saw, a lot of responses, uh, users were indicating that they needed uh, Ira to adapt to their new either working environment at home or their learning environment at home. But I also want to tell you guys, you inspired a larger mission. I was sitting here looking at all this survey data and then thinking about, uh, you know, you all, um, you know, at, with a bigger with a bigger hat on, with a bigger idea, which is, shouldn't the industry or what could the industry be doing together to adapt and support the community, given everything that's going on? And so it was with that kind of thought that um, we took on this idea of gathering as fast as we could all of the key industry players, whether it's nonprofits or other for-profit companies, um, what could we do as 
a combined force? Would people actually join uh, a combined mission? And I'm happy to report that um, everybody in the industry was very encouraged and ultimately in a very short time, we were able to come together and create this uh, website and this working group. Um, you may have seen it. I'm sure you saw us because we, we asked you to do yet another survey. And that's, um, if you go to flatten inaccessibility.com you can you can see um, what's going on there but if you go to that site or if you you kind of uh, read a little bit more what you see is 16 organizations that come together to provide one working group again towards another larger survey and that's sur first survey has been closed but the results will be coming in the next couple of weeks and Josh is also involved in that one as well as a bunch of others but I just think it's really um, important to point out that really this, the inspiration for all of this really came from ultimately you all and your deep engagement with that initial IRIS survey. And so if you go to that site, you're going to see, you know, groups that maybe don't typically work together, not because of any other reason and just not, uh, you know, a, a passion or reason to kind of align, but you've got ACB, you've got NFB, you've got, AFB, you've got IRA and Be My Eyes and Humanware and Vespero and APH and John Hopkins and the list goes on. So I'm just really proud of, uh, personally, of the IRA user base, the passion and the engagement. And I am both uh, pleased that we're already making some changes here at IRA and I'm really uh, curious and looking forward to see what this industry working group can do. So hopefully that gives you a little context around survey the results and and kind of where it's leading and with that um, I'm going to turn it over to Joshua to talk about this initial IRA only survey and what we learned and how we're going to be sharing that those results thanks Troy. I really appreciate the time to talk I really want to say thank you to the 250 of you who uh, took and filled out our survey the information that you gave us was really valuable and gave insights into the immediate needs of this community. When we looked at the level of concern in this community and compared that to the wider population, it wasn't a surprise that we saw a heightened sense of concern here. As many of you are well aware, the way in which that you complete everyday tasks include a lot more tactile touches. You seek assistance from people on the street and individuals at stores, and it really does put you at a greater risk to contract the virus. When we ask questions about those of you who were either working in schools, working those of you who are employed or going to schools, we found that 69% of our respondents were going to a school or were at a job site, and 66% of those individuals had been asked to work from home. Something really surprising was that a large majority of our respondents had an overall favorable attitude toward this. And I dug into the responses of what people said behind that data, it kind of clicked for me. You think of less commuting, less distractions when you get the opportunity to work from home. But also surprising was that even the individuals who had rated themselves as being highly in favor of working from home 
they still had concerns as to whether or not their employer or their school was going to be able to deliver on the transitions that would happen because of remote learning or remote working. Here's some bit of a little bit more wonky data. Um, many of you are well aware of the unemployment rate in the blind and low vision community. It sits anywhere between 66 and 70 percent. After the Great Recession, the BLV community experienced a higher increase in unemployment than the broader economy. And when the economy did turn around in 2011, it took longer for the BLV community to add jobs. But one surprising thing was that as the unemployment rate in the larger economy reduced, the BLV percentage of unemployment went down even further. So the BLV community had, a gr had greater gains. And that's because as employers lose their ability to hire individuals, other individuals, the BLV community is able to gain in that sense. Now, with COVID-19, not only are many individuals all across the industry and sectors losing jobs, but it stands to reason that this will affect our community even more greatly. And so it's really important that IRA is able to double down on not only the distance learning offer that we launched from the information that we gleaned here, but also the job-seeking offer that we offer here, allowing you to utilize IRA's service in order to find employment. The other thing, as Troy was saying, was that from this survey, we were able to have this idea to bring together a much larger industry, industry participants and organizations to develop a larger survey. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to complete that even longer survey. It was a big one. And we are just now getting started with digging into the data that's there. We are going to get the opportunity this week and over the coming weeks to dig down and find out how we can better support this community, not only as IRA, but the broader community. We asked questions that had to do with transportation, healthcare, technology, education, employment, voting. It was really an opportunity to get a much broader understanding of the community rather than the more focused approach that we took with the initial survey. We'll be compiling those results and looking to publish them in the coming months. Thanks, Janine, for the time to talk about it. Oh, absolutely. And I want to thank you, Joshua. You've been doing um, just huge amounts of work on this project. Probably, as Joshua said, going to take a, a bit to um, distill all of this data into a report, but I'm sure it will be definitely fascinating when we get there. And on that note, I wanted to talk with Paul. Paul, you are a policy expert and uh, follow these things. Tell us a little bit of your thoughts on where we're going with not only the surveys, but where the entire uh, blind, blindness, visual impairment community is going with COVID-19 and, uh, 
and our efforts in working together. Thank you, Janine. And, and I want to first of all compliment Troy for his leadership in getting such a good broad representation of our community together uh, to get 15 organizations. And there would have been more if we had time to ask more um, and get them involved. We had many come up afterward who uh, came to us and said, you know, we would like to be involved if you do more of this. So um, th- th- that really speaks to a couple things. It's to, I think, the credibility of the work that we're trying to do at IRA. But it also speaks to the to the worry, concern, fear, I guess, uh, that we all have about how our community is faring in handling uh, not only the challenges of the COVID virus, but also of the imposition of uh, distancing and closing of most of our country uh, as a result. And so I think a, a lot of organizations really wanted to get a handle on what the impact might look like. Uh, what we can do with that in the short run, like what immediate um, activity needed to be made uh, and then uh, taken to address, and then what we might do as a long-term in terms of advocacy. There's a couple of things that we know already from the survey, the longer survey. This is the, the, the flattened inaccessibility that uh, 15 organizations combined on. We, get, we got something like 1,800 usable responses, we think. We're still going through all that. Um, some were from other countries, which, you know, we do hope other nations will undertake something similar to this. We weren't prepared to do uh, a national survey. Uh, good age spread, which is nice to see from uh, 18 to 24 to people over 75 who participated. Um, and again, I think decent numbers in each one of those segments of useful um, a couple things did skew interesting. One is that uh, over 90% of the participants have smartphones. So we know that that is not indicative of our community. We know a lot of individuals don't uh, have smartphones. Obviously, on this call, everyone does. Um, the other thing that leapt out at me was the breakdown of area that people were interested in talking about. In other words, who people who said they had concerns in a specific area and were willing to share information. The highest in that group, interestingly enough, uh, was transportation. About 11, almost 1,200 of the participants. So uh, what is that? About two-thirds uh, who said they had concerns about transportation, wanted to talk about it. Next was after that was health with just over a food in meals uh, between about 950 uh, and then dropping way down to employment and now again this is people who said they had concerns about uh, the impact on their employment from COVID. Uh, we do know that I'm just looking trying to find the numbers quickly we had pretty good numbers in terms of people who were employed at the time of the uh, COVID challenge, and that would really be up until about first of March, uh, first week of March, when things really started to uh, shut down. Um, and so we, uh, I, 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 I want to say uh, I can't find it. I can't put my hand on the number, but I think it was over fifty percent of the participants said they had jobs, but only about three fifty said they had concerns. So it'll be interesting to see when we dig into that data. What does that actually mean? And then a couple of lower numbers yet for people concerned about education. Um, not really surprising, I think, that that's at the leading. So I'm keen to hear uh, or find out what we learned about people's concerns about access to voting. 
as a result of COVID, not only in the primaries, but obviously in, uh, in November. I think we're going to learn some things. One, one thing that we already know, we already knew, we didn't need a survey to tell us this, but we can certainly make a very clear case, uh, is that we have got to address the lack of connectivity for so much of our population, especially for people with low incomes who can't afford smartphones, don't necessarily have internet connectivity. So they neither have the connection nor the device. And that's a lot of opportunities for socialization, food, employment, education. And that's always true. It's particularly true when you have uh, everybody at home and, and pretty well stuck at home uh, as, uh, for weeks and, and longer uh, during this time. So that's, that is an outcome we didn't need a survey to tell us about, but I think it's an outcome that we need to talk about coming out of this to say we can't, if we're gonna go through this again in, in six months to a year, uh, we have to be more prepared for making sure that, that a large number of our people, blind or otherwise, aren't shut out of connectivity uh, during during this time. And then I think we're going to learn some specifics around some of those other areas, the transportation, the social, the health, um, that we can use to advocate for hopefully better uh, policies and programs. Fascinating information. And uh, Joshua tells me that the original IRA survey, the very first survey, the results will be out tomorrow, and we will be sharing those with you in the coming days. Uh, so we're, we're pretty excited about those results being finalized into a report format. And again, those will be out. And uh, now, I mean, anything else, Paul, that you would like to say about this effort? Because I, I have to say, I am so impressed with how Troy pulled this together, including coming <laughs> yes. up with the very catchy name of flattening the inaccessibility. I, I have kidded Troy considerably about his marketing um, talent, uh, but he, he he really brought, he brought his a he brought his a game yeah. to this one. Um, yeah, I, I would just reiterate. What I think Troy said earlier, and that is, I do hope that people will take time to share stories, whether it's with Ira on our Facebook page or in the group's uh, email or on the Flatten Inaccessibility website if you did the survey or if you didn't do the survey. Um, we need to hear those stories because it is, it is those stories. If, you, if you're watching newscasts, you see what's gathering, getting people's attention um, besides celebrities getting COVID. It's also the, real, the stories of real people struggling with whether they get the virus or struggling with the impact on their life from uh, what's happened. And, and we need to be able to tell those stories about the impact on people who are blind. Uh, and so we, we want to hear from you. And frankly, hearing some positive stories are fun too. That's, that's always great to know uh, how people are thriving and, and managing in this environment. That's, that's uh, number one, it's just good for the soul. And number two, it's, it's good to help make those stories available as well. <laughs> And everybody has been really contributing some great stuff to, you know, things that you're doing from kind of the silly things to really serious kinds of things that you've now had either had the time or had the ability to do. Um, some people are really finding <laughs> they're liking working at home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, have we, we can had tell you people, that Have we, we had people calling in to learn how to make masks, I wonder? I mean, that would be an interesting set of stories to learn about. Um, you know, that would be interesting because uh, I have not heard that yet, but that might be uh, an ask for some of you. So um, I now have a lovely <laughs> mask with monkeys and bananas on it, which is all kinds of fun. So that nice. made by a family member. So, yeah. <laughs> 
that's the panelist portion of the Explorer call. We'll repeat a few things here. If you would like to know any information or read over our terms of service, you can find those at www.ira.io TOS. That's TOS for terms of service. If you have any questions about any of IRA's plans, any of our special offers, or the surveys mentioned on this podcast, you can contact Customer Care at 1-800-835-1934 or email us support at ira.io. For this edition of IRACast, this has been Janine Stanley.